Will. Happy Thanksgiving weekend, everybody. Whew, I don't know how you guys' schedules have been for food, but yesterday I think I ate enough food for the week. I'm still a little suffering and a little bit sluggish, sluggish from everything I ate yesterday. So, oh, God, it's just so good to be together with the church family this morning. You know, I was just before service, there was just so many different things stirring in my heart as we're going to continue on, and I'm not going to call it our series. It's our season of faith. But James, there is strength for you right now in this season. And as there, the things want to waver back and forth, you're immovable because the strength of the Lord has been poured out abundantly for you in this season to not be shifted to the left, to not be shifted to the right. And just like the psalmist said that if a 1,000 die at one side and 10,000 on the other, it's not going to affect me because the strength of the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. I was hoping you showed up because he gave me that word before you even got here. Hallelujah. You got to be where God needs you to be to get the words and the encouragement that is necessary for that season. So we're going to continue on in our season of faith. And we shifted back to this direction three weeks ago. And there's so many important things that have already come out. We just spent the last two weeks talking about the different dispensations within the Bible or segments of time with how God dealt with people at certain times. And we said God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change, but man has gone through many different changes since the garden as God was bringing it back to the point of restoration at Jesus. He made man and woman as he wanted them to be in his likeness and his image, and then at the fall of man, that changed. And so the story of the Bible is God bringing mankind back to that point of restoration through Jesus so that we can stand once again in that fullness of God as he wanted us to be. Amen. So we've been looking at those different dispensations, but I think the most important statement that has come out in the last three weeks is this, that faith does not command God, it believes him. That is such an important thing for us to wrap our minds around. Just like Paul said in Romans chapter 10, he said, what does faith sound like? And then he said, here's what it doesn't sound like. It doesn't sound like I'm going to ascend into heaven as in to bring God down. Or I'm going to ascend into the grave as to bring him up. Faith does not change or move God. Faith does not move God. That's important. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But it believes him. It says, what does faith sound like next? It says, it sounds like the word is near you. It sounds like the word is in your mouth. It sounds like the word is in your heart. That is the word of faith in which we preach. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 10. And so here the, the legal name of our church is Word of Faith Fellowship because we are people of faith. And just as Paul preached the word of faith, that's what we preach too. And it doesn't sound like I'm going to make God do anything. And that's an important where I want to focus on today is that it's very easy to let your faith walk turn into a walk of striving and works. Come on. Faith is not a walk of striving and works. It doesn't make God do anything. Now, I, I've been in, in, in this uh, type of teaching for a long time, and the longer you, you've been in it, you begin to see things where it's very easy to take the pressure and put it upon yourself. 
I got to believe. I got to confess the word. I got to stand, stand, stand. No, faith is not a pressure. Faith is not a work. Faith is a response. And so as, as you've been around, and I'm going to say some things, and you'll be like, well, I've never heard that. Stick around long enough, and you'll see. <laughs> you'll see some things. Come on. I, you hear statements like, faith moves the hand of God. No, it doesn't. It receives from it. Even your point of salvation, when you got saved, you didn't change anything about God. You received from something he had already done. As Romans 10, which is the, the shows the progression of how salvation happens, it says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It didn't change anything about God. You just received from something he's already provided. And so the outstretched hands of God have more than enough than you will ever need. And he says, just go ahead and ask and receive. It doesn't change God. He's already seen your end from your beginning and all the points in between. And it says this in the Bible. It says that he knows what you have need of before you even ask. And then he says, ask and you'll receive that your joy might be full. Why? Because he's already seen it and he's already provided. And he says, just go ahead and take freely. Come on, the Bible says that he who did not spare his one and only son, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? And so faith doesn't move the hand of God. It receives from him. It's not a work to make God work, and it's not something you need to work to make yourself approved. You are approved because of Jesus. He has declared you righteous and in right standing. And so I don't have to make something happen with my faith. I just receive from a God who perfectly knows me, knows every situation I've been in and ever will be in, and has made provision. And that's why Peter can make statements like, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's already given, and all he just says is, ask and receive. And so faith doesn't move the hand of God, it just receives from it. And just as your salvation is by grace through faith, there's that provision of grace that God has given to each and every one of us that all we do is we just grab hold of what's already there by faith. This is important that we wrap our minds around that because when it comes to other areas beyond salvation that you need to believe God for, you don't have to get yourself worked up into a frenzy. And it's very easy to take and make faith a formula. Faith is not a formula. It's a response. My God is so good. I believe you, God. Yes, I am what you say I am. I have what you say I have. I can do what you said I can do. It's a response of the heart where it says that faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to the God's anointed utterance of the Holy One. If faith just rises out as a response to the Word, it doesn't rise up and respond because of you striving to make something happen. Faith is the easy
easiest thing in the world. You are what the Bible calls a believer. What does a believer do? Believes. It's what comes natural to you. It's the easiest thing in the world. Why? Because you don't have to get faith. You've already got faith. As Romans 12, 2 says, God has given to every man the measure of faith. You've got all the faith you will ever need. And so Jesus, while he walked through this life with his disciples for those three and a half years, we have these statements that he makes, like, oh, says to the, the Syrophoenician woman, what great faith you have. He says to the centurion, what great faith you have. What He says to, the, to his disciples, oh, what little faith you have. And the literal translation there in the Greek is not that they didn't have a lot of faith because Jesus had already taught them, all you need is a grain of a mustard seed and you can tell the mountain to move. And so the literal translation when he says to his disciples, oh, ye of little faith, is simply, how come you having faith use none? He's already given you all the faith you will ever need. It's not something you need to work to acquire. And so we also hear, hear statements uh, from faith people sometimes that say, oh, like faith is the currency of the kingdom. And I talked about this earlier in the year, but it bears repeating. Faith is not a currency. Currency gives you idea that I need to acquire it so that I can acquire other things. You don't need to acquire anything. God has already bought you with a price and given you all things that you will ever need. There's nothing for you to acquire. You don't need God's money of faith. It's not a currency. It's a response of the heart that I am what he says I am, and I have what he says he ha I have. If he said that by his stripes I was healed, past tense, my heart's response is, that's what I am. Not a, okay, if he said it, then I got to be healed. I've got to be healed. No, you are. And I'm, I'm talking this way today because we need to really understand that faith only ever operates in an atmosphere of grace. Just like salvation wasn't based upon what you could do, but what Jesus did for you, so is faith. Jesus has done all the work that will ever be needed. I don't work to attain. I work because I have obtained. Paul said this. He says, I've labored more abundantly than you all. He's like, I work harder than all of you. You know, he, he's not trying to pump himself up, but he says, yet not I, the grace of God on the inside of us. The grace of God caused him to work or to respond more than others because he understood that grace was an empowerment to go beyond your ability and your strength and your resources. Come on. So Paul didn't get into an atmosphere of striving. You know what he said? He said, in every situation, I know how to be content. Whether I've got a lot or whether I've got a little, I know how to be content. And some people try to preach that, saying, oh, Paul was okay with being poor and not having what he need. No, he said, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory in, through Christ Jesus. 
And so Paul knew how to abound and how to suffer lack because he understood, I'm not the source. I'm not the one that has to make it happen. I'm the one that just receives from God who's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so I want to preach this message before we go on to any more aspects of faith because I don't want you to get into an atmosphere of striving when God says, man, you've been empowered to increase. You aren't the one that has to make that happen. You're the one that just follows the step after step after step that the Holy Spirit leads you to. And the world has the statement, work smarter, not harder. And that applies to faith too. Work through the atmosphere of the word and renew your mind to what he already said is done. Be smarter about it. You don't always have to put more on your plate. Come on. God knows how to bless you without having to stress you. Come on. Because sometimes we look at it and you say, oh God, you want me to increase? I can't handle any more on my plate right now. He knows that. He said, stop filling your own plate. And come boldly before the throne of grace. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens up, I'll come down, sit down and dine with you. He says, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Maybe you should stop filling your plate from your things and go before the banquet table of the Lord and take of that which really satisfies Hallelujah. We're going a completely different route than we've been the last few weeks, but this is so necessary. Faith doesn't strive. It responds. And so, here in Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 9, it says, There remains a rest for the people of God. There remains a rest, meaning he's saying, There is already existing a rest. Right? It does, you don't need to make God create it for you. He's saying there already is, remains a rest. And as I was looking up that word in the Greek for rest, it has an awesome definition that I wasn't expecting, and I love to be surprised when I look up things. The word katapousis is the word that is translated rest, means a calming of the winds. There remains a calming of the winds for the people of God. And immediately when I say that, if you know your Bible, you can automatically think of the story that this would relate to. Jesus and his disciples have been ministering. And Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to get in the boat and we're going to go to the other side. And so they launch out into the Sea of Galilee. And as they're out in the middle, a storm arises out of nowhere. And it begins to swamp the boat and the disciples immediately get into this fearful anxiety and this worry. And you have to understand, this must have been a heck of a storm. Because in those, that group of disciples, there are experienced fishermen who have lived their life, their business is the sea. Knowing when, when to be there, when not to be there, and what to do when you're in certain situations. They knew and they were afraid. Which means this must have been one big storm. And while they're working and trying to get to the, to the other side, they're striving to get to the other side because Jesus told them to go there. While they're striving, Jesus is sleeping. 
And so they wake him up and they say, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to die? And Jesus said, oh, guys, I didn't realize that that was what's going on. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have been sleeping. Maybe I should be out here bailing the boat. No, he said, oh, you of little faith. What was he referring to when he said that? I told you you're going to the other side. Come on, this is important. Because when you step out in journeys of faith, there's generally going to be a storm that's going to try and stand in the way. You need to know that however big the waves get, however much the lightning and the thunder crash, you're going to the other side. And so Jesus said to them, oh, you of little faith, why didn't, why didn't you just believe we're going where we're going? And he got up, and uh, most people when they say this, they're like, and he got up there and he said, peace be still. I don't believe he did that at all. We have no indication from the scripture that that's what he did. I believe Jesus said, peace. And there was a calming of the winds. You cannot release peace into a situation when you are not living in peace on the inside. And Jesus said, my peace I leave you. Not as the world gives you, but as I give you. And so Jesus said, here, I give you peace. And so if your faith gets you into an anxiety-striving mentality, it's not God's faith. It's your human natural faith. You know, there's two kinds of faith. There's natural faith based on natural information, and then there's the God kind of faith that's been given to you that is moved only by the Word of God. Come on. And so whatever storm comes your way, Hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 says there remains a rest for the people of God. It started in verse uh, 1 of that chapter, though it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, which means the rest already exists, and your job is to just say, oh, he promised me there's rest. I'm going to go ahead and enter into it. He said, let us fear. And that, doesn't, that word doesn't mean to be, oh, I'm so afraid. It means to be in awe and wonder of God. He says, let us be in awe, lest any of you seem to come short of it. And it says, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word they heard didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard him. Who's the us versus the them? Well, you'd have to go back for context to chapter 3 right before this where uh, the writer of Hebrews is contrasting people of faith with the nation of Israel. And so here he's saying the same gospel was preached to the Gentiles that was preached to the Israelites and didn't, bring, didn't bear fruit in their life because they didn't mix faith with it when they heard it. Meaning they went, ah, I don't think that's how it is. And it said they went about trying to establish their own righteousness rather than receiving the righteousness of God by faith. And so in every situation of your life, there will be two different directions you can go. You can either mix faith with what he said, or you can go by what you know. And what you know is not as good as what he knows, because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and his ways are better than our ways. And so when you've got a fork in the road, go the way of God. Amen? 
And so it didn't profit them. It didn't produce in their life because they chose not to mix faith. And God will never make you agree with him. But the Bible also says, can two walk together unless they agree? You can't expect God's best and his blessing while walking in your way. You can either choose to believe and receive from the open, outstretched hand of God. And it says, for we who have believed, we do enter that rest. Meaning the calming of the winds will never happen in your life while your faith is in opposition to what he said. It says, we who have believed, we step into that rest. What did we already say you are as a Christian? You're a believer. You've entered into that rest. But it's blowing pretty hard right now. Yes, and there's a calming of the winds present in your life. So verse 9 again, there therefore remains a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And so when we step into faith, the striving ceases and the being takes over. I am what he says I am. I have what he says I have. I can do what he says I can do. The striving ceased because the only works involved with faith is the response. Well, if you said I can do it, let's go do it. That's the only works involved. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says that you are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he's prepared that you should walk in them. The only works you need to work out are the response of faith. And James said, how can you say you have faith but you do nothing? I will show you my faith by my works. Or in other words, what I believe has caused me to step out and walk in it. Amen? And so last two weeks we were looking at the Abrahamic covenant. And we were looking at Abraham and how he is the father of all those who are of the household of faith. Which says you are blessed with faithful Abraham. And what was his blessing? God said I will bless you and I will increase you. I will make your name great. You shall be blessed above all the nations of the earth. And he said, I am your shield, and I am your exceedingly great reward. Those are the blessings that God imparted over Abraham. And the Bible says that you are blessed with Abraham. Not like him, but with him. And so if he was able to walk in that power of increase in his life and go from someone who had no kids to having nations come from him, if the blessing worked in him, it works with you as you walk with him by faith. But what does it say about Abraham? It says in Romans chapter 4, verse 1, which is talking about the same thing as Galatians chapter 3 that we looked at the last two weeks. He says, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Let's put that in a little bit more modern language. What did Abraham discover about this natural life? You have to understand there's the spiritual things and then there's the natural things. And I want you to know the spiritual things 
are more important and are more real than what you might be feeling in this moment naturally. But here it says, what did Abraham find when it, in regard to natural things? It says, for if Abraham was justified by his works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. Now, we know that Abraham did some walking out of things, right? God said, you're going to have descendants when he had no kids. There's a little bit of work that needs to happen in order to make kids unless you're married, right? Come on, I think you know what I'm saying. There was a response of faith that Abraham, if I'm going to have kids, I better keep trying. And it says, Abraham, if it was by his works that he was justified, he'd have something to boast about, but not before God. God doesn't care about your boasting because he knows it wasn't you that made it happen. Abraham had already been trying for 80 plus years and nothing happened. And so there's nothing for Abraham to boast about. And maybe it feels like you've been believing for a long time. Take your striving out of the equation and just start living in the promise and resting back saying, God, it is as you have said, so I'm just going to keep doing what I know to do, but I'm not taking on the pressure of the situation. Come on. The pressure has no bearing on the promise, so let the pressure go. And it says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was accounted for him righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. If you want to strive, you can't live in the blessings because the blessings come by grace. And you may say sometimes in your faith walk, God, I've done all the right things. I've said all the right scriptures. I've made all the right confessions. What you're really saying is, God, you owe me and God doesn't owe you anything he bought you you were the pearl of great price in Jesus's parable you are the treasure that was hidden in the field that he sold all he had to obtain when we believe God he doesn't owe you anything, but faith does please him. Hebrews 11, 6. But it is by faith that we please God, for he that comes to him must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder. He's not a debtor that he has to pay. No, he rewards you. Come on, how y'all doing this morning? And it says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness, or that right standing with God. And so in verse 16 it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. And so every faith journey you have in your life is the same as salvation. It's by grace through faith. 
And here's that's what Romans 4.16 is saying. Therefore, it's of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Meaning God made the full provision for you, 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 so that it's sure to all, not based upon your works, but upon His. He said it's by grace so that it can be sure or steady or steadfast or immovable, not based upon your ups and downs, but based upon his upward and onward. Amen? Hallelujah. And he said not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And it goes on and it tells us what Abraham's faith looked like. And this is really important. These should be scriptures that just pour off our mouth because this is what faith looks like. If we, we, if we looked in Romans 10 and it told us what faith sounds like, here's what faith looks like. It says this, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. That was one of the de- declarations the Lord made over Abraham. Not when he had an abundance of kids, when he had none. He said, I have made you. But I don't have a kid, God. The only one who's the heir in my house is some guy from Damascus. No, he will not be your heir because I've made you the father of many nations. And it says, in the, this is what Abraham believed. In the presence of him whom he believed, God. So God was the point of his faith, not Abraham's ability. We know that after 80 plus years, Abraham's ability had failed him. But here, in the presence of his God, this is what he believed about God. That God God gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's how God believes. He takes those things that you don't see, and he says, it's there. Go ahead and receive it. So if God said it's there, and you say, I don't see it, start seeing with his eyes instead and say, it is there. It is what you've said it is. If you have said you've provided, I believe you have. If you said you've healed, I believe you have because he calls those things that do not exist in this natural come on remember because that's what what has Abraham found in natural things that God goes ahead and doesn't even look at those natural things and he calls the things that you don't see into existence into the natural and so it's not all about airy-fairy spiritual elements and reality of, oh, yeah, it's all there in heaven. No, God meant for heaven to pour into earth. That's what Jesus' prayer was. Lord, on this earth as it is in heaven this day. Come on. That's what God, Jesus, prayed. That it, just as it was in heaven, it would pour into earth. It wasn't a spiritual reality for Abraham. It became a literal reality. And so he says he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And it says who contrary to hope in hope believed. Meaning when he should have stopped expecting for it to happen he let his expectation turn into faith. That's what believe mean. It's the action. It's the verb of faith. He said I'm not just going to look to it and say it's coming. I'm going to go ahead and say it's here. And so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. Not according to his ability, but according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. Woo! 
There's times where we look ahead to the good things coming, and then when faith takes hold, we stop looking and saying it's coming, and we start saying it's here. And it says, in not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Already dead, since he was about 100 years old at the point. And nor did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. When it comes to faith, what are you considering? Are you considering the promise, or are you considering the obstacle? On the sea, the disciples were considering the wind and the waves and didn't even remember that Jesus said, we're going to the other side. What are you considering? Everything that seems to be missing or everything that God said is present? Where is your consideration? Because Abraham didn't consider those things because he wasn't weak in faith. Let me connect the dots. When you consider the obstacles, your faith is weak. Ooh, I can feel like that hits. But the thing is, it doesn't have to stay that way. And it says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith by giving glory to God. So, if weak faith considers the obstacle, and Abraham wasn't weak in faith, he went ahead and strengthened his faith by giving glory to God. Yes, Lord, it is as you've said it is. I am exactly who you said I am. I am your blood-bought child. I thank you, Lord, that I stand righteous before you. I stand forgiven before you, that there's nothing that can separate me because you've taken away the middle wall of separation. And when I was yet without strength, Christ, you died for the ungodly. I thank you, Lord, that my best day, oh, I thank you, Lord, is still ahead of me because whatever I'm seeing right now, I choose to get a new picture and I begin to look like you have said it is. I begin to fix my eyes on things above rather than things here on this earth. Come on. It begins to give glory to God that, yes, it is as you've said it is. got to think about how crazy Abraham looked when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham. He's going around saying, hi, I'm the father of many nations. Hi. I'm the father of many nations. And then you begin to look around. Oh, where's the kids? I'm the father of many nations. And he kept saying it. He took on that moniker rather than keeping the old name of Abraham. Do you know what is the difference between Abram and Abraham? He inserted the, the Hebrew letter hey into it. Do you know what the picture of hey is? Grace. Faith always works off of the provision of God that comes by grace. And so he didn't waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And here's the last verse I want to touch on today. It says, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now, in the, in the King James Version, it says, and being fully persuaded. 
And I've always taken the perspective, and this is what I thought, and I believe now I'm wrong, that he's saying he was fully persuaded that, yes, okay, I'm going to put my foot down. I'm going to say, yeah, this is exactly how it is. But that's not what that word means. It makes two Greek words to make it. And the first one is full or fully. To wear like clothes is the second one. When it says he was fully convinced, it means that Abraham went ahead and chose to wear the clothes that said, I'm the father of many nations. I'm going to go ahead and put it on even before it's arrived. What, what it, that scripture is saying, Abraham chose to live in it before it even became a physical reality. He began to act like he was the father of many nations before he even had a kid. He began to fully wear the promise. Then come on, if you're believing God for something today, go ahead and start acting like it and go ahead and put on that outfit. Go ahead and begin to say, I am what you said I am. I can do what you said I can do. I have what you said I have. That's how I'm going to act. If you said it's this way, I'm going to put all my house in order and prepare for it like it's already so. Amen? If you're believing God for provision, stop looking at your bank account saying, oh, I just don't have enough. I don't have enough. No, go ahead and put it off to the side. Be fiscally responsible, but go ahead and live in the blessing and say, I am. My bills are paid. I've got more than enough. You have blessed me and empowered me to increase in all areas. Faith is a response, not a work. Jesus said, whosoever says unto the mountain. I think I got that scripture here. He said, whosoever, I say to you, whoever. This is not even a statement to the disciples. He said, whoever said, does this, says to the mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. That wasn't a statement just to the disciples. He said, whoever. He opens it up to all who believe. And then just in case the disciples missed it, he says to them, therefore now I say to you, everyone can do this. You though, whatever you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. What was he saying? Don't just leave it out there for everyone. You do it. You do it. You believe. It's one thing to say we can believe. It's another thing to say, I do believe. Hallelujah. And so, Father, we thank you that we don't have to strive. We don't have to work. We just get to rest and respond in faith. That I don't have to worry about making something happen. You've already done everything that needed to be done. And when you spoke those words on the cross and said, it is finished, you meant it. And so I stopped trying to add to it. I stopped trying to put something more. And Lord, I just open up my mind to understand the fullness of that work. That is finished. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, you may be in this place this morning. 
and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, He's, you've not made him that personal self Savior, you don't need to wait another moment. It's not what you can do, but what he's already done. And so our Word Care team would love to pray with you in regards to anything. They would love to stand with you, believe with you, agree with you, and whatever it is you got going on in your life, don't leave here today without getting into agreement with somebody. Amen? Pastor Robin. Well, in thanks, Thanksgiving time, we're thankful for the harvest. That's what we celebrate. Amen? And so it's no different with uh, when we're sowing and reaping in, in, a, in a church setting. Amen? It's the same thing. We're very thankful for God, and we're thankful for the harvest. So I want to look at this scripture in um, Amos. Now, this, this scripture here was written uh, 2,770-some years ago. And back then, 2,770-some years ago, Amos says, Behold, the days are coming. You think it's about time. The days are here. Amen. So this, this is an opportunity for us to release our faith, receive our faith, receive from our faith. Amen. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. The mountains shall drip with sweet wine and the hills shall flow with it. Wow. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. It's harvest time. And don't stop sowing because it's harvest, still harvest time. It's happening it's in conjunction, one with the other. You know, you look, you look at the, we, we prayed for Israel this morning. You look at Israel and what they've been able to do with the harvest that they can produce in that small land. And they're having this issue where it's just, there's just so much abundance. There's so much happening that, you know, they go out to, go out to sow seed and there's still harvest to bring in. And that's where the church should be at today because these the days are coming, the days are here. Amen? Amen. So if, you, if you're uh, ready to give, you can go online and give at wordchurch.ca forward slash give and or there's an envelope in the seat and a basket at the back. Amen? Amen. And so the Word Care team is, one of them's up here. If you need prayer, as Pastor Jordan said, go on up and spend some time with them and they'd love to pray with you. Amen? You are blessed.